0: Hello, hello, everyone. This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. Once again, it's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me today, and believe me, it's an honor to be here today with you. Whether you're new to the Frankly Daniel Show or a long-time listener, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. What a week it has been. Now I have a new podcast on America Out Loud entitled Biden Open Borders Spawns Massive Asylum Fraud. Sort of a catchy title. It's last week's Frankly Daniel show, and if you didn't catch it last weekend, I wholeheartedly recommend it to you. We had a massive audience for the show You Won't Believe the Fraud, well perhaps you will, involved in Biden's asylum misadventures, and we're all paying the price for it. There's also an accompanying article with this podcast entitled Biden's Open Borders Spawns Massive Asylum Fraud. Same title, how about that? This week, those blue cities, those sanctuary cities, and consequently sanctuary states, continue to holler about how unfair it is that all these migrants are traveling into their open arms that are no longer open. Yes, those friendly cities, those sanctuary cities that they all rubbed in our face as conservatives. Now, you know, they want somebody else to pick up all the burden of hundreds of thousands of migrants showing up and gobbling up every hotel room in their sanctuary cities. Frankly, my dear, it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. And as usual, the neo-Marxist, the socialist trading as Democrats are blaming Republicans for the unprecedented 6.5 million migrants. And those are just the ones we can sort of count count spreading out across the nation. And you better believe there's another 6.5 million in line to be next right behind them. And to think of it, among this first load of 6.5 million aliens who have completely bypassed the routes to actual legal immigration, those same routes that more than a million residents become American citizens by each year? Well, among those 6.5 million aliens, there's 1.7 million Godaways. Godaways are illegal alien migrants who are roaming America not only unvetted, but also unknown. We have no idea who any of these Godaways are other than they decided to skip the charade of claiming asylum and instead choose anonymity. And we're supposed to feel safe that our Homeland Security, you know, the one, the department that was created after 9-11, that Homeland Security Department is doing its job, right? But I have some good news. And you should know this. We're doing a fabulous, a terrific job making immigration, or should I say illegal alien migration, the number two most important concern to all Americans. And it's only second to the Biden economy, which is a menacing disaster. Yes, immigration now is the number two concern. And so the word's getting out. And I think that even the legacy media is having a hard time avoiding it, mostly because it's showing up in all these blue sanctuary cities. And every one of these mayors is crying all over themselves about what to do as they just keep flooding and flooding. And it's not even the buses that are being sent from Texas anymore. It's people that are walk-ins, people that are taking their own transportation. Don't forget, the government transports most of these migrants to wherever they want to go in the general vicinity of any of the 49 continental states. And so everybody is a border city. Every city is a border city. And that saying is more true today than it's ever been before. And it becomes even firmer as more and more people come across the border. Now, you've heard that the numbers have been going down. Make no mistake. There's just a reassessment by the cartels as to how to approach this. The other big thing that we have to recognize, and it's not sustainable... And that is the Texas governor has deployed every portion of law enforcement to the border. They've strung all that wire, all that, uh, you know, barbed wire across the border. And they're all, they're standing there, man per man, every three or four feet next to each other, looking across the river and saying, don't try it. Don't come. We're not going to let you in. Now, that's not sustainable in the long, long run. But It really has dampened these people trying to come across. Instead, they're moving now to Arizona and to California as entry paths. But there's a couple of other topics I really want to get to today. One is the debt ceiling. You can't can't get away from talking about that. And the other is I want to go over what my governor, Ron DeSantis, here in Florida had to say this week as he officially joined the presidential race to become the Republican Party's 2024 candidate. Now, as you probably have heard, by now at least, that Ron DeSantis was set to announce his run for president on Twitter, along with Elon Musk and David Sachs, both of those as hosts. However, as soon as over 800,000 people logged on to the announcement, uh, Twitter apparently couldn't handle it, and it crashed. Now, Twitter finally did get all the glitches fixed, but it took about 25 minutes to do so. And I'm sure both Elon and Ron DeSantis, who are dying a million deaths, as Twitter remained broke for all that time. Needless to say, this is not how you want to kick off a presidential race. But I, I have to applaud DeSantis. He was looking for a new avenue to try to get the message out, as opposed to the old standard, we get a big crowd of supporters and everybody screams their lungs out and and you get this good feeling, and it's a very uplifting thing, and, and then it's over. you got to go out and do the work. Uh, perhaps there was sabotage at Twitter. We don't know. We don't think that Elon got rid of all the people that were anti-free speech. But, but who knows? One thing is for sure. Ron DeSantis did raise $8.3 million in the first 24 hours after his presidential announcement. And that topped Joe Biden's old record, good old Joe Biden's old record of 6.8 million in 2020, regardless of whether you are a Trump or DeSantis supporter. You have to recognize the evil neo-Marxist agenda of the White House and the Democratic Party. You must recognize by now that American democracy dies if it is left in the hands of of Biden, Harris, and the Democrats for another four years. In fact, a recent CNN poll came out with an astounding statistic. This 67% of all Americans believe another four years of Biden will either be bad for the country or a disaster. And that's pretty telling. But we're not sure that all those 67% are going to pull the lever when they get into that booth to vote for the next president, so we've got to keep working at it. We must help others who don't follow local, much less political politics, that closely at all. Now, the Biden White House is in lockstep with the so-called radical progressives in Congress, and they do have a very clear agenda, and let me spell that out for you. Democrats intend on continuing to flood this country with penniless, undereducated, underskilled, non-English-speaking, alien migrants, and the Democrats expect us to financially support them all. 6.5 now, 6.5 more to come. That is a bigger population than nearly 42 states in the Union. Very few states in the Union, in fact, have more than 13 million residents. It's the equivalent to creating an entire alien welfare state. And not to mention the Chinese who are coming across the border in record numbers. over 10,000 Chinese have crossed the border since October of last year. It's a whole new group. And you know, they, these are people that are literally defecting from China. You have to wonder how they got out of China to defect and make this long trek whether they came in directly to Mexico or some other Central American country, and what they're doing here, especially with all the the monkey business going on with China and the Bidens. The Democrats also are pushing hard to break America's public trust with every federal and conservative institution, like the FBI and the Department of Injustice and the GOP, as evil MAGA-crazed Republicans. The Democrats have been sowing racial discord for the past 10 years via their identity politics, and they intend on dismantling the middle class. And before I, I want to talk a minute about dismantling the middle class for a minute, but first to this identity politics. You know, I've been here for 73 years now on this earth, and I really thought we had come so far since the Civil Rights Act in, in 1965, 1964, that, we, th- that r- the racial divide was narrower than ever. In fact, I, I have never really experienced, although I've lived in Baltimore, I've lived in downtown Philadelphia, uh, I've lived in parts of Washington, Washington, D.C., and things have gotten remarkably better until we hit this road where the Democrats no longer celebrate individuals. They only celebrate groups. Now, as far as dismantling the middle class, what else do you think this nonsense of gender identity ideology being taught to kindergartners is all about? Or the sexualization of young children with transgenderism and the recent plague of drag queens appearing everywhere. And to top it off, Biden is hiring, this is such a critical fact, but he's hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. To audit every damn tax return of anyone making under four hundred thousand dollars, it's going to more than double the size of the IRS. And do you really believe that these people are only going to be targeting the one thousand billionaires and the, the you know the, the number of millionaires that all these agents are just going to go ahead and audit all these returns of people who hire? leagues of tax lawyers that prepare their returns in the first place. Well, don't get me started. I'll, I'll never get to the topics I want to get to today, and that's talking about the debt ceiling and about uh, Ron DeSantis running for president. Just a few days ago, Ron DeSantis had given a 45-minute interview to John Stossel the day before uh, his official kickoff. Uh, and after Ron left the Twitter offices in Miami the other day, he appeared on Fox News' 8 p.m. show, the same spot Tucker Carlson ruled the world from for more than six years. And he was interviewed by a former congressman from South Carolina, Trey Gowdy. Now, DeSantis then appeared on the Mark Levin show for about the last 15 minutes of Mark's show, and that sort of wrapped his day up. Now, most of you know John Stossel. As an American libertarian, television presenter, author, consumer journalist, etc., etc., he's known for a very long career as host on ABC News, Fox Business Network, and most recently Reason TV. And as I said, most of you know Trey Gowdy, who's a lawyer and former congressman from South Carolina. Trey has a regular early Sunday evening show on Fox called Sunday Night in America. This week he's sitting in in the 8 o'clock time slot. Filling the space, as I said, that Tucker used to occupy. Now, since Tucker's forced departure, Fox, they've been rotating various Fox personalities in the valued time slot for a week at a time. Now, that isn't until they figure out whether they're going to bring someone new into Fox, or they're going to start moving stars around in various key time slots. Don't be surprised if uh, Sean Hannity ends up in the Tucker old 8 p.m. spot. But before we delve into the DeSantis interviews, and I want to leave time for that, I mean, believe me, these recent interviews are very informative. I feel compelled, as I said earlier, to comment on the looming debt ceiling crisis. Now, I know, who hasn't felt compelled to comment on this? And if you haven't noticed, everything with the Biden administration is a crisis, and this is another one. There's no word in the American English vocabulary More overused, more abused, but unfortunately truer than a Biden crisis. Crisis one after another at the Biden White House. Let me count the ways. There's the border crisis. There's the inflation crisis. There's the energy and gasoline crisis. There's a petroleum reserve crisis. You know the strategic petroleum reserve? Oh, yes, it's nearly all gone, and Biden hasn't replaced it. He doesn't think we're going to need fossil fuels in the next couple of years. We have the Ukrainian war crisis. And then there's the baby formula crisis, which in some parts of the country is still going on. Oh, we had the tampon crisis. How can we forget that? And then, of course, we had the inflation crisis. Then there was the COVID-19 home testing kits crisis. I remember that. That's when I got the covid that was during Christmas of 2021. You couldn't find a home testing kit anywhere. But thereafter, Joe got on on the, on the ball. And about a month later, we were all being mailed multiple home testing kits. I think we have about 12 or 16 at this point still here. There's the computer chip uh, shortage crisis. Have you been to your car dealer recently and seen all the models that aren't there because there aren't the chips to make the cars? Oh, we had the supply chain crisis, another Mayor Pete issue. We have the labor shortage crisis. We have the crime across America crisis. And we have the inflation crisis. I think I mentioned that already. There's the abortion crisis. Not only do we know or not know who leaked the draft copy of the Dobbs case, you know, when that leaked copy came out, we watched as Joe Biden and Merritless Garland, they stood back as protesters harassed the conservative Supreme Court justices at their homes. And even one took a taxi out there. Once they landed from California, they flew into the DC area, took a taxi and, and, and tried to, uh, they thought they were going to go ahead and kill one of the Supreme court justices. But then when they saw the police out there, they got nervous, called, they called in and said, come pick me up. I'm crazy. And we have a mental health crisis, by the way, in the country. If you haven't noticed, because all of these shootings are by mentally deranged people. There's no sane people out there killing people with guns. And the guns certainly haven't become crazy. That's not their nature. We have a teacher shortage crisis. I'm sure you probably have experienced this in your area. And the illegal alien migrant crisis is making the teacher shortage crisis all the worse. We have the rogue SFBI crisis. And we have the inflation crisis. But I think I mentioned that already. There's a the Hunter Biden laptop and influence peddling crisis. Don't forget the disinformation governance board that Homeland Insecurity tried to pull off. And then we have the classified documents crisis. We have the climate change crisis, which is probably just an overarching crisis that is bigger than all the rest of it. We had the airline cancellation and scheduling crisis, another Mayor Pete Beauty. And then we had the inflation crisis. Uh, The transgender women, really men faking being female, in girls' and women's athletics. Yes, the destruction of Title IX, that, that people worked for 50 years to get installed so that women competed against women on an equal basis in high school and collegiate sports. Oh, let's not forget the New York City and Chicago illegal migrant hotel overcrowding crisis. And then we had the Chinese balloon, spy, or spy balloon crisis. Uh, we have the spread of transgenderism crisis. You know, I stopped by Target the other day when I was shopping at Costco. It's right next to each other. And so I went to see if all of these things they've been talking about on television, you know, the um, tuck-it-in uh, clothes for uh, transgender women uh, who are really men and all the children's wear that's that's all uh transgender oriented it's it, it the stupidity of target following you know the bud light below it's just amazing what corporations are trying to push on a cultural agenda and of course we had the inflation crisis oh and i keep telling myself it's the economy stupid but for the sake of getting on with the show i'm going to stop adding to the list here but you're welcome to continue on with this list. And I advise you to do just that because it's quite instructive when you stop and think about the sheer and overwhelming number of crises old slow man Joe has created in less than three full years in office. Now, just imagine had he had the energy of a 60-year-old man with an intact brain. Oh, the damage he could do as if we're not already down the drain. So we sit here with a debt ceiling crisis because for two years plus, we had a spending crisis, as in too much spending. I'd like to play for you an audio clip of a CNN anchor named Poppy, not related to this seat, I'm pretty sure, who is interviewing Washington State's Democratic Representative Ms. Jayapal who is a deceptively articulate socialist from Seattle, who who may as well declare herself a neo-Marxist. Now, being a neo-Marxist, I understand it's so pejorative, but it is the ultimate progressive, isn't it? But when you examine what these so-called Democrats are up to, it's hard to come to any other conclusion than they are pushing a Marxist agenda. Now, Representative Jayapal sums up nicely where the Democratic Party comes from on the current debt ceiling issue. And by the way, allow me to mention that Malcolm, the founder and CEO of America Out Loud, is back on the air daily with this show entitled Malcolm at 8, meaning at 8 p.m. each weeknight, and then this same show, Encores, at 8 a.m. each weekday. Malcolm's return to the weekday airwaves kicked off this past Thursday. And you can hear that show as a podcast on America Out Loud, as you will be able to hear all of his shows and his marvelous voice on podcast. Now, in his first show, Malcolm wrestles with the topic of the debt ceiling. So be sure to set your clock for the Malcolm at Eight show weekdays. You're really going to enjoy it. It's incredibly informative. Also, I should mention that I have an article just published on America Out Loud entitled, America is on suicide watch, which also deals with a variety of reasons America is in the deep depressive mood it is in and needs immediate attention. But let's get to this CNN interview with Representative Jayapal, and we'll take each clip of four of them, one at a time, and comment after each. Then we're going to go immediately thereafter to Ron DeSantis speaking about his bid for the White House.
1: Joining us now is Democratic Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington. She is the chair of the House Progressive Caucus. Good morning, Congresswoman. Good morning, Poppy. I thought it was striking that your Republican colleague, uh, Congressman Patrick McHenry, who has, by the way, been very complimentary of Janet Yellen saying, listen to her on this deadline, that he told Punchbowl News he's not optimistic that there will be a deal in time. He also said, quote, we are, in my view, past what is a reasonable deadline. And that's why when the speaker said, let's figure it out in February, he meant it. Are you as concerned as he is that we are past a reasonable deadline already?
2: Well, I am concerned, Poppy. And I think that if we default, if we come close to default, there is only one person to blame and it's Speaker McCarthy. Um, you know, he says uh, Speaker McCarthy wanted to talk back in February. But don't forget that it wasn't until the end of April that the Republicans even passed a bill off the floor. And let's not be fooled into thinking that that was a budget. It was not a budget. Um, in fact, they've pulled back all of their appropriations bills this week because there is no way to square for the American people what they're saying uh, in terms of they want to increase Pentagon spending. They want to hold veterans harmless even as they are pulling money away from veterans for the burn pit fund, which, you know, helps people who were injured in war. Um, and, if you do all of that, Poppy, there's no way to not have significant cuts to health care, to uh, school and education, to people's mm-hmm. child care, social security. All of these things will be affected. And they don't want people to know that. You- but that's what would happen. Cuts of between 20 and 30 percent to all of these different categories that people rely on.
0: If we default, there is only one person to blame, really, and that is Speaker McCarthy. What? What is it the Republicans want from these debt ceiling negotiations now the house the republican house has already raised the debt limit in their bill which now sits before the senate in return for raising the spending limits republicans want to what they want to cap federal spending at the fy 22 levels plus one percent going forward Smoke and mirrors about who wanted to negotiate when is just that, smoke and mirrors. But think, come back to it. 2022 was, was less than five months ago. The spending level just five months ago. McCarthy met Biden February 1. And it was 97 days later that Biden finally agreed to negotiate. And then there was this crisis because he had to go to the G7 meeting. McCarthy's office contacted the White House every working day between February 1 and the 97 days thereafter. Joe Biden's answer each time was no negotiations, pass a clean, no attachments debt ceiling increase. The White House said it's not going to cut any spending, period, and there's nothing to negotiate. And by the way, all the deceit about the sky falling is so much chicken little. On the part of the Democrats, the Republican House hasn't pulled or suggested pulling any funds from any program. It's a lie to say they're pulling funds from the veterans harmed by burn pit fires in Iraq. Just like it's a lie when Joe Biden claims his son, Beau Biden, died in Iraq from cancer he got from burn pit fires. And a claim Joe has made repeatedly in many different iterations. Beau Biden was a lawyer in Delaware and in the Delaware Army National Guard. He unfortunately died at home. It's a tragedy in Delaware from a lethal brain tumor. But there is no proof. There's not a shred of proof that his tumor or anything else had to do with Iraqi burn pits. How can you freeze spending at the level of 2022 plus 1%? But somehow the sky is falling in the disingenuous words of the Democrats. How can all of this amount to cuts of 20 to 30 percent on the accounts of programs that are life and death to American citizens? Do you know that Biden refuses to have able-bodied adult Americans who are on food stamps and Medicaid to work at least part time for these benefits? The Democrats are growing a welfare state in this country all over again. They want a nation of dependent citizens who look to a massively and ever-growing centralized government for all of their daily needs. Now, we're already supporting 6.5 million new illegal alien immigrants. And there are 6.5 million right behind these folks. Isn't it time for someone to say enough is already too much? Well, we've hit halftime. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on The Frankly Daniels Show.
3: Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made CofixRx nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code OUTLOUD and get 20% off. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products. Toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums That are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers.
0: America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Outloud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Frankly Daniels Show. Now, before the break, we were reviewing an interview between a CNN anchor and the Democrats' leading radical progressive, Representative Jayapal, from the off-the-charts radically progressive city of Seattle, about the debt ceiling Biden crisis. Now, I want to continue on with this very telling interview, but first, I'd like to play the opening segment of last night's Mark Levin Show, about this very topic. Now, if you're familiar with Mark Levin's daily three-hour nationally syndicated radio show, you know you know about the intensity Mark brings to every show. His shows go directly to podcast, And so every morning, I dial up Mark's previous evening show and listen while I'm trying to find my way out of bed. I find that if I just listen to the first 15 minutes of Mark... I only need two cups of black coffee instead of the usual four cups to start my day. Go ahead and try it sometime and see if you don't get the same results. And hey, you'll learn something along the way. So here's three minutes of Mark on the debt ceiling last night.
4: There's about $350 billion, give or take, that comes into this government every month, no matter what Washington does. That's on our backs, the taxpayers, small businesses individuals, big businesses, federal income taxes, corporate income taxes, capital gain taxes. You're paying, you're paying, you're paying, you're paying every week, you're paying every two weeks, you're paying every month, you're paying every quarter, whatever whatever schedule you're on. They act like that money's not coming in. It is coming in. And they act like Social Security doesn't have a trust fund. I thought it did. If there's no trust fund, they stole it. And you pay into Social Security separate and apart from everything else, it's supposed to be a trust fund, no? Same with Medicare, isn't that what they told us? Well, where's the money? This exposes them, doesn't it? And they get up behind their microphones and they say Social Security won't be paid and you should say to them, why? What happened to the trust fund? And Medicare won't be paid, why? What did you do to the trust fund? What did you do with my money? I thought this was insurance and the veterans benefits won't be paid. Wait a minute, I thought we had a deal. You serve in the military and they put money aside for you. It's not supposed to be out of the General Operating Fund. What's going on? June 1 is not a deadline for anything. That's number one. Number two, we cannot afford as a people to cave to Joe Biden and the Marxists. At some point, you have to draw a line. I understand a little bit of this and a little bit of that. As I posted, Reagan used to say, if you can get 80%, you won. Okay, let's get 80%. But let's make sure Biden and the Democrats don't because we know where they want to drag the country. And we know these massive spending ordeals that we go through are intended to empower the Democrat Party to increase the size of Washington. Washington serves the interests of the Democrat Party. The bureaucracy serves the interests of the Democrat Party. Aren't you sick and tired of subsidizing increased budgets for the FBI, for the intelligence agencies? When there's no accountability, when even today they're giving the finger to Chairman Comer, who wants to see that FBI document about Biden, or at least know what's in it? We're just supposed to go along and subsidize this stuff? Well, maybe the government should shut down. Maybe that's the only way to cut spending. And I will say this, up to today, the Republicans have done a hell of a good job getting out there and explaining to the American people who's responsible for what. To put the blame exactly where it belongs, on Joe Biden's feet. At the feet of of the Democrat Party. But I'm noticing today some buckling. That the Marxists and the Democrat Party are out there saying, oh, we're going to take to the streets. We were the first to find that clip, Mr. Producer was, and we played it. So the mob is threatening that if they don't get our money, they're going to be violent? That's only going to work a few more times, if at all. People are sick and tired of it. God knows I am. Now, we can do this, America. We can do this, conservatives. We can do this, Republicans. For once in your damn lives, try to hold firm. Try it. It actually works. This is one of the reasons we like Trump. And yes, one of the reasons we like DeSantis. One of the reasons we like Reagan. It's called leadership. It's called statesmanship. Don't be scared. Do the right thing. And usually the right thing happens. We'll keep an eye on this. Okay, okay. What did you think about that?
0: The message is clear. Stand firm, Republicans. Stand firm. The bill you passed and is at the Senate is exactly what we want. Mark is correct that the national income tax can service our monthly interest on the national debt. Biden is clearly responsible for this recent debt disaster. You know, while the Democrats were in control of Congress and the White House from 2021, The 2023, they legislated the country into trillions of dollars of new debt. Even more importantly, the interest on the national debt has doubled under Joe Biden. It's doubled. How, you ask? The Biden inflation has forced the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates. If you're trying to buy a home, you know this already. It's the worst of all possible times. We're so lucky we bought our home three years ago. We can't even believe, as we're trying to help our children get into homes, what the rates are. And they continue to go up. And you continue to see this socialism of the Biden administration charging you an extra fee if you have a good credit score for a mortgage. And subsidizing those with terrible credit scores with what you're paying in to subsidize them. The world is upside down. Now, the interest rates paid to service our debt are tied to the Federal Reserve's interest rates. So when we were paying well under $300 billion a year in interest, $300 billion a year on servicing our growing debt, we're now paying $640 billion a year on largely the same amount of debt. This is crazy. Why is this? Well, Remember, I kept referring to the inflation crisis in my list of Biden crises, income taxes. Mark also points out that in addition to income taxes, we pay a separate tax for Social Security and Medicare. But our Congress continues to rob these two trust funds to finance our federal spending. You may remember back in the day when Al Gore and all these other people were talking about putting these funds in a lockbox. So that this money was set aside. Well, that's never really happened, and therein lies the rub. It's politically convenient for all these dishonest politicians to say that they're going to protect Social Security and Medicare. Biden's been on that run all the way now. I mean, even when uh, Rick Scott, a senator from Florida, said in his plan for the 2022 midterms that we have to look at these funds every five years to ensure their solvency. Well, Biden turned that around as an attack on on Social Security and Medicare. And and he vows that he is going to protect those funds and nobody is going to touch them. Well, that's well and good. But Biden's selling all of us a Ponzi scheme. And anyone who says, including Trump, that we're not going to touch these funds, you know, that they're assured, uh, they're selling you a Ponzi scheme. There's very few people paying into it and too many people paying. Are getting paid out of it. We've got to do something. And we have to do it soon. We, we've got to deal with these two sacred cows. And blaming the wealthy for the woes of the Democrats' massive spending plans is also a flat-out wrong, just a flat out lie. We cannot tax our way out of the Democrats' spending plan. Hold firm. Do not budge. That's the recommendation of not only Mark Levin. But anyone who is politically and economically astute on this particular topic, and and while I'm thinking, while I'm thinking about it, do you know that the Bidens' 2024 budget includes trillions of dollars for student loan forgiveness? Yeah, Biden has not given up on this unconstitutional spending. What gives the president the right to unilaterally decide he is going to forgive? this debt. There's no such thing as forgiveness. It's just a transfer of wealth from us to those who took out student loans. Hello, Joe. Only the Congress can create spending bills. Well, let's get back on track with the CNN interview. Here's the second segment.
1: Congresswoman, you say there would be only one person to blame if there's no deal, and that's Kevin McCarthy. But not even all of your Democratic colleagues in Congress feel that way. And I'm quoting Democratic Representative Richie Torres, who told CNN, and he told Armanu Raju yesterday that the Democratic Party really miscalculated here. And he said that they should have done this unilaterally when Democrats controlled both chambers back in December. Our reporting is that you actually spoke with then House Speaker Pelosi about doing that. Is that right? And is he right?
2: Well, that's correct. And uh, we did uh, I did speak to the speaker at the time and we actually put it out on our um, important executive actions to uh, take place or lame duck session actions to take place back in the late fall. Um, you know, I think the challenge at the time was that we would need 50 Democrats in the Senate to do that. And so I understand there were concerns. I don't think we, uh, you know, we tried hard enough um, to make mm. sure we got that done. At the same time, I still don't think that that negates where the blame lies for this, because don't forget, Poppy, we've raised the debt ceiling 78 times uh, in, in recent history. And we Democrats did it three times under Donald Trump even though that was at the same time that so, Donald Trump and Republicans passed $7.8 trillion uh, dollars additional uh, that, that was added to the deficit.
0: So once again, McCarthy is the bad boy. Now notice that Representative Jayapal keeps returning to who is to blame for the ceiling debt limit crisis instead of talking about what she thinks Democrats could give up to help break the logjam. Now, according to her, like Joe Biden, the Democrats need every penny and more to keep the nation barely afloat. This Jayapal response is like so many things that Democrats should have done during their two-plus years of ruination when they were in charge of everything. And how disingenuous to say they couldn't find 50 Democrats in the Senate. They had 50 Democrats in the Senate and actually fifty one with the vice president's tie breaking vote. But they weren't sure that Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin were gonna go along with their act of irresponsibility by raising the debt limit. And seventy-eight times before they've raised the debt limit. Seventy eight who cares? More irrelevant statements. Does it matter how many times it's been raised in the past? No, it doesn't. The problem is right now. And yes, the debt ceiling was raised three times under Trump. But you should know that in order to get the defense spending increases Trump wanted, he had to agree to Pelosi's demands for increases in all her favorite Democrat Party domestic programs. The Democrats' demands for increases in domestic spending programs is what added to the deficit, not that Trump tax breaks.
1: CNN has a new poll out. I'm sure you've seen it uh, in just the last two days. And what it shows really interestingly is that 60 percent of Americans say Congress should only raise the debt ceiling if it comes with spending cuts at the same time. And that includes 58 percent of independents. Is your position out of step now, Congresswoman, with the majority of the American people? I'm so glad you raised that poll, because I think it's really important to look at what that poll says. If you just
2: say to people, should we cut spending? They will probably say yes. Um, however, if you say, would you rather cut spending and reduce the deficit by cutting the tax breaks to the wealthiest corporations and wealthiest individuals? Or would you like to cut your own health care, education? Uh, you know, care for veterans, etc. I guarantee you that you would have even higher numbers that say, "Let's make sure that but we're making the wealthy pay their fair share." That's not
1: and what thats the, the other thing we've been saying not to the what Republicans. The poll says this is the exact question that was asked of voters: What should Congress do on the debt ceiling? Raise only if spending cut, sixty percent. Raise no matter what, twenty-four percent. Not raise, let U.S. default, fifteen percent. These are these are what they are saying to this critical question. Yeah, but,
2: Go ahead. No, I understand. But Poppy, you can't take tax cuts out of spending. You know, tax cuts for the wealthiest are spending. Don't think that that isn't spending when under Donald Trump. Um, They added almost two trillion dollars to the deficit because they gave tax cuts to the wealthiest. That is spending. And I think the American people understand that that's what needs to change is we need to roll back those tax cuts and we need to actually make sure that we are reducing the deficit by making the wealthiest pay their fair share, not by cutting working people's
0: benefit. Haven't we been through this exercise before? That, that, which what am I talking about? Well, then, you know, that exercise where we just collect all the millionaires and billionaires. We imprison them. And then we just go collect every penny they've got stashed away between their mattresses and, you know, their car glove boxes and every place else. We just confiscate it all. And how long do you think that's going to run the government? This thing is such a canard. And I'm just sick of it. Yes, There have been people who've gotten very wealthy. Many of those are Democrats, by the way. Take a look at Jeff Bezos and some of those characters. But all in all, you're not going to save the country by taxing to death or even collecting all the wealth that's owned by the wealthy. It's the middle class that's going to get hurt by the tax increases that are coming down the pike from the Biden administration. And obviously... Representative Jayapal did not read the survey questions. It is not the Trump tax cuts that have put the nation in this deep debt. The Trump tax cuts actually increase tax revenue just like they have before under John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, and Donald Trump. Moreover, do you realize how easy it is to file a simple tax return now after the Trump tax legislation streamlined the IRS filing system? and made the standard deductions unnecessary for most of us so we don't have to itemize all our deductions? If you want to fault Trump, where Trump went wrong was in COVID-19 relief spending and submitting to Dr. Anthony Fauci's advice about shutting down the country. And yes, I believe Anthony Fauci should be criminally liable for the grievous damages he did to Americans and the nation as a whole. And with no due respect to Representative Jayapal, like all radical progressives charading as representatives of the poor, the broken, and the needy, you could confiscate, as I said, the entire wealth of the billionaires and not run the country for a week or two, at best using every penny they own. Had COVID-19 not happened, and it's a world of ifs and buts, I understand, But Trump would have been elected for a second term, and the economy of the United States, as it was just before COVID, would have continued to be the envy of the world. Instead, Biden and the Democrats used COVID-19 as an excuse to tamper with the voting regulations in some key states, and then the ballot harvesters went went out and uh, guaranteed that this was going to be a fraudulent victory. Has America, has America paid a price every day since January 21, 2021? The clock on this crisis began on Biden's inauguration day, just as I said, January 21, 2021. With the end of the Trump Migrant Protection Program, a.k.a. Remain in Mexico, and the cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline, and everything, everything since that day has been a catastrophe for America. Let me ask you, do you think that more than doubling the size of the IRS, I know I've talked about this, but I just, I can't say it enough. The addition of 87,000 IRS agents is about getting the wealthy to pay their fair share. 87,000 IRS agents, really? Those new people are coming after you and me. Here's the final clip
1: Etc. Let me just end on this cuz you've been a big voice in and the progressive caucus has in urging the Biden administration to invoke the 14th amendment here to essentially ignore the debt limit raise it, saying, look, they have that constitutional authority. Janet Yellen has said that's legally questionable. The Biden administration has viewed it as problematic just with the time frame we're in. And I thought it was interesting that Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin warned, quote, inserting it into the process now tosses this into the courts and God knows where it ends. And then Republican Senator John Cornyn said it's a way to avoid responsibility, which I think is basically saying, isn't it your job as Congress to do hard things, make hard decisions like this? Yeah,
2: absolutely. It is our job. It's our constitutional obligation to raise the debt ceiling, which Republicans are refusing to do. So, again, let's make it clear that anyone uh, who thinks that this is normal, it's not normal. Republicans are using this as a hostage taking move because they couldn't get these cuts that they're trying to get in during the regular negotiations and appropriations session. I think the American people have to understand that that is what is happening. So, you know, is it our preference to use the 14th Amendment? Of course not. We think Republicans should raise the debt ceiling. That can happen today, Poppy, if five Republicans who are responsible to their constitutional obligation get out there and sign the discharge petition for a clean debt ceiling raise with Democrats. So I don't want to use the 14th Amendment. But what I am saying is that if it's a choice between a catastrophic deal for the American people, either through default or through these awful spending cuts, then I think the president would have to go to using his unilateral authority to raise the debt ceiling.
0: Well, you probably have figured out by now that we're not going to get to any of the Ron DeSantis tapes, or if any, it's going to be very small. But I will put out a separate podcast this week. Look for it. It'll be up on the website on America Out Loud dealing with nothing but the DeSantis opening statements about his run for the presidency. But back to this particular clip. First, the Republican House has raised the debt ceiling. Let's get that straight. She's completely wrong and very misleading in this statement. It is in a bill that was passed by the Republican House weeks ago. The Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer won't bring the bill to the Senate floor for a vote because it also says Congress will budget according to the fiscal year spending in the budget of 2022 plus 1%. They don't want to cut anything. They want to spend more. Now, this 14th Amendment is a very curious item. It's like so many things that Biden is trying to do through executive action, through executive orders, that he has no right, according to the Constitution, to mess with. He cannot spend trillions of dollars for giving student loans and putting them on the backs of other Americans. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that he can create spending bills. There's also nothing that was in the Constitution that said he could mandate People working in healthcare because those institutions were receiving Medicare and Medicaid payments, that they had to be vaccinated. They all had to get the vaccine. That wasn't true. The the Supreme Court threw that out as well as they threw out his illegal and unconstitutional eviction moratorium for people that were renting that said you didn't have to pay your rent for almost two years. That was also declared unconstitutional. All kinds of things that Biden continues to do unconstitutionally. 14th Amendment is another one. It says in Section 4, which is, it, it's, it, it's way downstream of anything in the 14th Amendment, which basically gave slaves the right to be citizens and naturalized it, etc., cetera, etc. You can read it. But Section 4 says, The validity of the public debt of the United States, authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion shall not be questioned. Again, the key part of Section 4 is the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law shall not be questioned. You have to take out that one clause within, in, in between there. It says including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion. This was an 1866 bill immediately post-Civil War that dealt with all the debts America, that the Union had incurred during the war and said, we're going to pay those all. All the people that supplied ammunition, uniforms, food, everything else, pensions for the soldiers, payments for the... That'll all be paid. No one should question that. But who honestly believes that the 14th Amendment with this clause somehow authorizes the President of the United States to unilaterally raise the debt ceiling? I'm I'm not alone in saying that this is unconstitutional and simply crazy. Do you realize if this is true, then the President has the power to forgive all debt, student loans included? Biden could raise the debt ceiling to fifty trillion dollars and then go out and spend it. And if the Democrats win the House and the Senate and the White House in twenty twenty four, that's exactly what they'll they'll do. I mean, I've never heard of anything so and they're saying, Well probably not gonna try it this time. Because at this late stage in the game, it would get tied up in litigation and we wouldn't get the results back from the Supreme Court in enough time to know what to do about it. And in the meantime, we would have defaulted. What baloney. It's looking like, well, the president could use this, but he's going to give that up in, in good faith negotiations. People should realize Joe Biden has no faith, whether it's good faith or any other kind of faith. This ploy of the Democrats and the president to use executive orders for whatever the Democrats can't get through Congress or negotiate with Republicans is dangerously close to calling this position a dictatorship. So there you have it, the debt ceiling debacle in short. Now perhaps by the time that you hear this particular Frankly Daniel show, this will all be a thing of the past. But I think it's going to go right up to the deadline and perhaps past it as they work these negotiations out. And I pray that the Republicans hold their position because if we don't hold it now, I truly believe all is lost. No one will have any faith that the Republicans can hold the Democrats to anything. Well, time is short and we're about to come to a close. Let me say that this debt ceiling crisis is about as close as we've come to America being on suicide watch. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. If the Republican House caves the real victor, or victors will be radical socialist Bernie Sanders and AOC, we cannot go into 2024 with the proposed Biden budget. It creates more debt. The Democrats will spend every penny of the debt ceiling And we'll be back here at the same place in May of 2024, but in much, much worse shape. I sincerely thank you for joining me today. I hope that you found it informative. Perhaps there's something along the way that has piqued your interest. Please support the Republican House representatives in your neck of the woods. They need this support. They need to know we're with them and behind them. You've been listening to The Frankly Daniel Show. And I'm the Daniel, and the frankly part of this enterprise. Thank you, and until next week, God bless.